gals coming out with a pinball machine. Oh, God. Are you going to get it? No. Why not? Because it's $5,000. Uh, well, for one, it's a legit full-size pinball machine. Sure, you have room. Mm-hmm. For two, room. it's just... like $11,000. $11,000? God damn. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to buy it? That's chump change. That's like people that have like real <laughs> arcades. They're going to buy those things. Does it have his songs on it? Yeah. It it's got like, uh, I forget what it said, 11 songs or something like that. And yeah. uh thousand dollars a song yeah that's that's just for like the regular one they got a special edition they're making 227 of that's like thirteen thousand. oh damn it well i'm glad that i'm glad that they're so expensive because otherwise you would buy it i would uh ain't nobody got space for that shit so go find me (laughs) my name is jake and i really really need your help unlimited plays for anyone who helps contribute Uh, you know I, i sort of did that back in the day i did a uh I think I was bored one summer. I'm like, I started something called Save the Jacobs Fund. Yeah. And it actually got people from the family to like ship me back up to Michigan oh, where I they're all that. at. Yeah. And, uh, you have to spend the summer there. Yeah. He convinced people to funny. like host him and like pay for him to come back to or to go back to Michigan. <laughs> yeah. It's the only way I'm coming. <laughs> you have to pay for it. It worked. It was it was a fun trip. <laughs> You have to spend the summer somewhere other than here. So How old were you? Uh, you were like I a teenager, remember. right? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't. No, he would have had to been like 50 because the internet didn't exist when you were a child. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> this was all by mail. But yeah, no no uh, Weird Al pinball machine for me, unfortunately. Oh, darn. A little out of my, yeah, I guess my the price range. Ninja Turtles arcade game is going to have to be it good for now. That was a lot cheaper than, than that pinball machine. Um, You guys should listen to... Or go find us on Patreon because we just did, me and Cassie did an episode on 50 Cent. He got shot nine times and it was fucked up. And we did an episode for Patreon um, on kind of his early life and childhood and, you know, it was all kinds of messed up. So you can listen to that now. Also, mini episode that came out on Monday is about Frank Sinatra and his inconceivable temper. That dude is angry and he likes to throw things Usually at other people, whether that's fists, phones, TVs, radios, radio. He's he's an angry little man. And um, <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't know how tall he was. He seems like he'd be short, though, you know, with that kind of energy. <laughs> that was mean. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to short guys. He was 5'8", shorter than me. Taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> I say that he had short person energy because I'm five foot one and I'm very angry all of the time. That's true. Try to fight an eight-year-old. Oh, yeah. I do try to fight children. <laughs> you tried to fight that kid in the Mexican that, restaurant. Well, that was all of us. We were there, <laughs> yep. right? Yeah. Yes. That was the three of us went to Mexican and this little fucking kid kept... He was... Okay. The booths at Mexican restaurants are way taller than other booths. So I shouldn't be able to see your spawn oh he was standing up on that seat Mm -hmm. yeah he was standing up on the seat and like looking over it and i started you know he kept staring at me and us so i started making the you know the i don't know how to describe this look when you point at your eyes and then you point at their eyes like you're gonna fight them i was doing that to this little kid (laughs) and then i told him i'd take him out in the parking lot um (laughs) And then I was like, how old are you? And he was like, five. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, Let's bring this to the streets. Like, small child, did your mom not tell you to talk to strangers? Quit sta- Stop. Stand- Obviously not. They're letting them stand up in the booth. So I'm still angry about it. That was like six years ago. <laughs> I'm being nicer to the kids now. They like me because of my pink hair. 
Right. So like I, cotton candy. I went out to eat yesterday. Yeah. And I had this this little girl who was probably like two years old looking over the booth and just staring at my hair. So it's like, whatever. Well, you're asking for it then. I know. Oh, yeah. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts. If this is your first episode and you've gotten this far into it, rate us five stars. <laughs> Even though you haven't heard shit about what we're talking about. Trust us. It's going to be good. <laughs> Um, if you rate us on Apple Podcasts, you will get nothing in return, but we will read it, and we like to hear the things that you guys say. So, anyways. Um, also, I want to remind you guys to go back and listen to our Mozart episode. I feel like people will skip over it. I've spoken to people specifically who said that they go for artists that they listen to. I don't know how many of our people listen to Mozart, but you should go check out his episode because it was really fascinating and really funny. The amount... That this man would talk about his asshole is just crazy. He has a he has a song about licking people's assholes. I'm not joking. You got to listen to this episode. <laughs> well, you he translate would, it literally. He would be <laughs> one of us if he were alive today. Mozart would be a host on this show, and he would do the intro music for it because his songs are lit. So, anyways, I just want to say go listen to that. Leslie Gore is up as well. Um, yeah, and that is pretty much it for the bullshit up at the top this is our last full episode that we are recording over at the dobby studios correct um and then i think we've got one more mini episode over here and then we're moving over to jake's house oh cassie has a special announcement for us today (laughs) it is wednesday and it is the day that she is the day of announcement um well we're moving studios because this room will now be a nursery because i have a child in my stomach what? You ain't my baby? How'd no, you fit it in no, there? No. <laughs> no, I am pregnant. Pregnant? No. How did that happen? See. <laughs> Tell us all of the details. Uh, oh, since you've asked. No, I'm not. No. Um, what day was it? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Your child may wonder this later, as Alex has demonstrated. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want the day of conception. I don't know. When's your due date? <laughs> September 4th. We'll figure it out for you. You can do that. Wait, now. September, October, November, December. So you got pregnant in December? Yes. December 4th? I don't know. Hold on. <laughs> anyway, give me one moment. I'm going to find out why. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Saturday. Ah, I know what it was. What? It was uh, National Rhubarb Vodka Day. It That's just got <laughs> me going. <laughs> I like wow, rhubarb they make, pie. They make I'm rhubarb mad. vodka? I guess so. It was also National Cookie Day. Maybe you were baking some cookies. You Someone and, got a cookie. You and Dan got a... Ew. Ah. Was it a limp biscuit? Was it a limp biscuit? No. <laughs> uh, anyway. Wow. That's too much. You can cut most of that out. No. No, no. No. <laughs> oh, it could have been the next night. If it was December 5th, it was Krampus knocked. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. You know how much I love German words. Hell yeah. Anyway. Uh, that's cool. Good for you. Thanks. Well, you know, we'll look to be determined if it's good for you or not, because. Right. It could be. Could be a a hellion. (laughs) Yeah. It could be like Dan as a child and climb over everything. Do you have any child that you are hoping for? Probably the one that she's having now. Well, which, which. (laughs) Oh, like you mean the gender? (laughs) Yeah. I would prefer it to be a girl because I understand them. Okay. And I am one. Hell yeah. I agree with that. If it's a boy, it's just going to be a super feminist, most gentlemanly kid that you've ever met. With with emotions like that will talk about their emotions. Like Jake. Do you talk about your emotions? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Anyway. Great. Okay. Um, 
potential names. I know we said Craig. No. Um, Steve. No. Bill. No. Bill's a good one. No, it's not. It's in the Bible. William. Wait, is that in the Bible? I don't think it is. No. Robert. <laughs> okay, never mind. No, it can't be Robert because that's Dobby's full name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Daniel Jr. No. Daniel, Daniel Craig. <laughs> no. I have a list. Um, for boys, I like Wesley. Snipes. Logan. Yeah, I would name him specifically after Wesley Snipes Gardner. <laughs> um, I like Logan. I like Luke and Ethan. Ethan Kraft. Yes, from Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> okay. All right. Girls. Sadie. Okay. Riley. L after L Woods. Oh, yeah, I was like L. Um, <laughs> fucking letter L. No. L for loser. Um, I like Ivy. I know. I thought about that too. Um, Jade. Okay. Mia after Mia Thermopolis, princess of Genovia. Right. Um, but my, my number one is May, spelled M A E. And then if I had two girls, I could name a May and then June. Oh, how about Randy? No, <laughs> not happening. Well, that's who we're talking about today. Um, excuse me, his name is Randall. Randy. Randall from Monsters Inc. Yeah. Oh, okay. But his full name is Randall. Okay, I'm sure it is. It is. Randy. It says it on his book that he wrote. It's in my downstairs bookshelf. Okay. So if you're new to uh, Death by Music podcast, you are listening to Death by Music podcast. I am Jake. <laughs> That Stop. was Cassie, <laughs> expelling gas. <laughs> because um, she's pregnant. Yep. She's very gassy. And uh, that's Alex. Hi. And uh, we are Death by Podcast Team. Death by Music Podcast. Correct. Right. If you type in either one of those to the internet, it'll bring you to our website. And it's on the internet. And if you guys could find us, you can find our website. So yeah, today we're talking about Randy Blythe. Don't freak out. He's not dead. Careful. <laughs> I know I'm knocking into all my shit. Yeah, a little bit different story for us today. Yes, this one is unlike anything that we've covered so far. Um, it's super interesting. And basically, somebody died. And the whole thing was kind of blamed on Randy Blythe. It's a very intricate case. Randy Blythe is the singer, the, you know, front man for metal band Lamb of God, who is from Richmond, and they're badass. We love them. Even I've seen them live. Even Cassie says she likes Lamb of God, <laughs> and this is saying something. She hates Van Halen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Our sources include loudwire.com. There's an article up there by John Viederhorn, who we have spoken about before. He's been on a bunch of sources. Yeah. He is, this is a name. Now it's, we've done so much research for this podcast that now the authors are sounding familiar. Yeah. We're using the same people. So yep. John Viederhorn, he wrote Louder Than Hell, which is the definitive oral history of metal, which I think is a book that Cassie got me. I did. Um, he also co-wrote Scott Ian of Anthrax's biography, Ministries, Al Jorgensen's biography, and Agnostic Front's book. So this guy... Knows what the fuck he's around. talking about. Yes. Uh, there's Lamb of God's Randy Blythe. I would love to play in the Czech Republic again. This was on MetalSucks.net. We use LouderSound.com. Randy Blythe for Genius.com. Lamb of God's Gnarly Origins. Randy Blythe looks back on Burn the Priest Days. Revolver channels. Revolver's channel on YouTube. New American Gospel Review by Patrick Kennedy on AllMusic.com. All Lamb of God, Rust to Dust. Prague, Abaton. May 24th, 2010 metalopolis.net there was no author listed um yeah those are all of our sources so a lot of stuff wikipedia oh shit <laughs> like our, how could we forget that's like self-explanatory <laughs> yeah. the main point. one wikipedia always always so 
As I said earlier, Lamb of God is a metal band from our backyard in Richmond, Virginia. Hey, I've been there. It's it's fun. It is fun. Uh, did you know that we saw Weird Al perform there once? I did know that. Yes, it was during his Strings Attached tour. He performed uh, with the Richmond Symphony at the amphitheater next to the Richmond Raceway, which is weird, but I guess they're both noisy things. You keep them out of the way. <laughs> That's perfect logic. Thanks, Jake. So, uh, Lamb of God, they've been around since 1994, starting off as Burn the Priest. They initially didn't have a vocalist. They were just an instrumental metal band that was into prog groups. Burn the Priest started off with John Campbell on bass, Chris Adler on drums. Um, these two are still in the band. And then Mark Morton and Matt Connor on guitar. They all attended VCU. Uh, in Richmond, which is Virginia Commonwealth University, and the latter two left pretty soon after the band formed to pursue their master's degrees. See, just more proof that metalheads are just normal, everyday people. Nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> that was not convincing at all. <laughs> don't worry about us. We won't hurt you. I don't have a master's degree. That's what we need to be worried about. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so after farting around Virginia for several years with Abe Spear on guitar, they released a couple of demos and EPs, later adding Randy Blythe on vocals. Randy had first seen the group in 1995. He would perform with his friends' bands occasionally, but he was more interested in writing than in singing. But eventually he went on to audition for the dudes and he blew them away with his sick growl. I'm sure they were equally, if not more, impressed by his soul patch. Uh, story has it that Abe Spear had invited Blythe to, uh, to sing for his new band, but Blythe said no. He instead uh, spent the summer traveling the country on trains, being a crusty bum, as he so eloquently <laughs> put it. And I imagine your bum would get quite crusty after a while. Yeah, especially when trains don't have showers. Indeed. Um, they call those, they literally call those people, I think, crust punks, like the train hoppers, because they Never are crusty. Imagine just... <laughs> Hanging your ass off the side of a train to take a dump while it's moving. Your aim would have oh, no, aim. it's actually a type of music. What do crust punks smell like? <laughs> Please I tell us. This. I no. wish I was wearing a gas mask throughout this conversation, because if there's one thing I know about crust punks, it's that they smell like a mix of swamp ass alcohol and sweat. Oh, good. <laughs> are crust punks homeless? <laughs> Gutter punks, also called crusties or crust punks, are members of a punk subculture that are often tied to squatting, panhandling, and voluntary homelessness. Interesting. All right. Uh, anyways. <laughs> back to the episode. Yes. That's what he was doing. He ended up back in the west end of Richmond and made his way to a payphone to call Abe Spear for a ride. Um, Abe's like, yeah, my band's playing at a house party tonight, too. So Blythe ends up at the party and hears the band for the first time, and he's like, fuck yes. That's who I'm singing for. Nice. By 1997, Morton was back with the band, and they released a self-titled album. That album would be Burn the Priest. Because that was their name. wondering, <laughs> yes, it was, came out in April 99. It's on Spotify, and uh, I, I'm kind of liking it. This confused me, because I thought you would have listened to Lamb of God at some point. I have. I've heard them before, just I've never listened to them extensively. I've never gone back and checked out like their full library. Sure. Yeah. So when he came back, the group had evolved into a more, like, grindy and thrashy band. Uh, the group was performing DIY shows in Philadelphia, and then they eventually replaced Spear with Chris Adler's little bro, Willie, on guitar, and then they were signed to Prosthetic Records. So now we get to the name change. So with a name like Burn the Priest, it's safe to assume that you're a satanic band, right? Yeah, all the Christian mothers are quaking in their boots at the thought. I mean, burn that priest. I like it. 
Uh, well, it wasn't necessarily the case. So they changed their name to Lamb of God to avoid the confusion that it had been stirring up because they weren't like a satanic band. Yeah, it honestly sounds like it would be something a Christian band would name themselves. Yeah. So the irony. But the Christian mothers are no longer quaking their boots, they think. They approve Lamb of God. Yeah, when you're like, <laughs> your mom goes, what are you listening to? And you're like, don't worry, it's Lamb of God. They're like, okay. Oh, little Johnny's just time. such a good boy. Right. So if you actually put Lamb of God in Google with no other identifiers, you know how like Google will bring up like a list of like three or four websites and then oh. videos. Mm-hmm. So the first websites, they're all like Christian websites. And then there's a section of videos of just Lamb of God videos, the band. Mm-hmm. And then it goes back into Christian websites. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> so there are some rumors floating around that their name change was because they had been banned from playing from so many venues because their name was Burn the Priest. But that actually wasn't the case. John Camp- John Campbell on bass said that it wasn't true. Oh, they just didn't want to offend the Catholics is what it is. Yeah. So now that they're Lamb of God, they've got to release a new album to reflect their new lineup. That album would be New American Gospel in September of 2000. The group was hailed as a throwback to 90s metal groups like Slayer, Pantera, and Meshuggah. Cassie's faves. Mm. Patrick Kennedy. Patrick Kennedy from AllMusic.com stated... The essential signatures of post-Pantera <laughs> oh metal are in abundance on Lamb of God's inaugural album. A veritable cornucopia of double-picking and double-kick drumming, New American Gospel provides a mighty oak upon which gritty American metal's faith is maintained, effectively bridging the 90s insistence upon drill sergeant technicality and the old school's determined focus on riff construction. A lot of big words in that little right up there. Yeah, oak is such a large word. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Cassie. You're welcome. So this album was such a hit that the group toured for two whole years before putting out their follow-up album, As the Palaces Burn, in 2003, which was voted the number one metal album of the year by Revolver and Metal Hammer, both widely respected metal publications. Lamb of God was a part of the inaugural Headbangers Ball Tour and released a DVD with their performances. So now they're on Epic Records, which is a pretty massive label owned by Sony. Hence the name Epic. That's a good point. (laughs) They released Ashes of the Wake in August 2004, and it received more high praise. Yeah, this is actually Daniel's favorite record from them. Daniel, Cassie's husband, happy anniversary. Thanks. Happy baby. Thanks. I think that the... I think the thing with Lamb of God was that their sound was original and authentic, while critics called many other bands of that time Alice in Chains wannabes and goofs. So uh, Lamb of God actually got thrash legends Alex Skolnick of Testament and Chris Poland of Megadeth to play on the opening track for their album, which is like a huge metal stamp of approval. So this album hit gold with the RIAA. Um, This brought on another huge tour with Lamb of God hitting Ozfest and the Sounds of the Underground tours. The album featured sick songs like Laid to Rest, Now You've Got Something to Die For, and Omerta, which I'm pretty sure are still staples in their set list to this day. No wonder it's Daniel's favorite album. That being said, don't forget to hit our playlist, especially if your names are Morgan and John. Brent. Or Brent. Same person. Weird. Why do you have two first names? I don't know. You guys probably already have their CD preloaded in your car, so we didn't have to tell you to listen to the playlist, but uh, you still should. Mm. 2004 also brought us Lamb of God's Philadelphia album, nice. which was their live album slash DVD combo um, from a show they played in, you guessed it, Philadelphia. It consists of footage filmed during the band's two gigs at the Trocadero Theater in Philadelphia on October 6th, 16th and 17th of 2004. Also for you guitar hero slash rock band fans, 
The first single, Laid to Rest from Ashes of the Wake, was featured on Guitar Hero 2 and Guitar Hero Smash Hits, as well as being downloadable for Rock Band. This was my number one video game from release till college. Me and Jake even played it back in the day when I lived with him, circa 2011. I like to skip all the metal songs because they were hard. They were hard. <laughs> because they're good. I'm more of a Rock Band fan. I like, I like the that particular game better it looks better you can do customized characters you have mm-hmm. your own custom band and actually all my gear is rock rock band gear too, i like so. rock band more because i wanted to play drums and yeah. Um, yeah jake had all the fucking attachments for the drum kit so he had like a double bass and then the cymbals that were actually yep like cymbals yep and i had the bass guitar regular guitar the guitar the microphone yeah. i had everything what actually, I, didn't, I, still, I still have it all i wonder if it still works we should play should. it should what still i work. didn't like about it is if you played for too long and then you you know after watching the screen move as it did for so long and then you'd like look at a table it looked like the stuff was falling off the table um, did that happen to you no that nope. never happened to what? me <laughs> <laughs> you're the only one that's wild yeah. uh, what in the vertigo find us on facebook and let us know if that ever happened to you <laughs> All right, so here we go on to another killer album in 2005 called Sacrament, and that had double the sales than Ashes of the Wake in the first week. Sacrament has some great metal stripper songs like Redneck and Walk With Me in Hell. I think I've mentioned uh, metal stripper songs before, like Deftones. I don't think I would strip to Walk With Me in Hell, but what Deftones song would would you strip to? All of them. Okay. (laughs) That's good fucking stripper music. I'm just giving out tips. Uh, Now they're touring with groups like Slayer, Mastodon, Children of Bodom, Megadeth, Killswitch Engage, Soilwork, Devil Driver, and more. Fucking Slayer! Oh, wow. That broke out of my headphones. I need to wear earplugs (laughs) instead of headphones. (laughs) Devil Driver's got some good shit, too. I like them. Yeah. I mean, like all these. They're, They're pretty fucking good. All right. In 2007, Lamb of God was nominated for a Grammy for Redneck, which is probably my favorite song by them. Losing to Slayer's Eyes of the Insane. Uh, not that the metal Grammy category ever actually meant anything. I was going to say, I feel like most metal bands don't care whether or not the Academy is paying attention to them. Like the metal is for the fans, not for dudes in suits. Yeah. And like, I would say personally that Redneck is a better song, but the people who are voting on this shit for the Grammys, like they don't know what they're listening to when they listen to any of it. So I feel like they pick the artist that has the name that's most familiar rather than actually knowing anything about the songs at all. Hmm. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's bullshit. Fair. Uh, Okay. So check this shit out. They (laughs) release a deluxe producer edition of Sacrament where they put out all of the stems for vocals bass guitar and drums and then they let the buyer basically like produce their own favorite version of the songs cool never heard of that before randy blythe said that it was a fun idea they had so that the kids would buy the product from the store instead of downloading it online you would download a car but you would download the latest lamb of god album from limewire and give your computer a virus Ah, <laughs> uh, the good old days <laughs> i'm not sure i ever gave my uh, computer an std though did i tell you guys about limewire Kathleen, Kathleen downloaded some fucking bullshit and get, got a computer virus for yeah. us. Oh. Every my track dad, was. I did not have sexual relations with that one. Oh my god, that's true. It was. <laughs> um, yeah, back in the day of LimeWire, I had it, but I also have a little bit more internet literacy, you know. So I was raised with the internet, so I know if a file has an odd like extension then don't download it i'm looking for mp3 or wave and if it's not that don't fucking download it Mm -hmm. if it has a million dots and dashes and and symbols in the name don't download it if if you look at the time and it says 30 seconds and i know that the song is three minutes don't download it 
there are so many reasons, whatever. So I had been downloading music for several years at this point using LimeWire. I was a child. FBI, fuck you. Um, <laughs> so then uh, Kathleen, <laughs> Kathleen got a hold of it and she figured out how to download music. And so she was downloading all this shit willy nilly. And my dad, Clint, is a computer guy. And he was so pissed off when he found out that our home computer was just riddled with viruses. <laughs> and so he goes in to try and clean it up and it's sure that it is me and it's my fault. And so I'm getting in trouble. And then he finally gets down to the files and it's like a fucking Donny Osmond song. And I was like, it was her. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes, I do remember. Mm-hmm. I remember those days. Anyways, the group wanted to work with an international label. Uh, so they were going to keep Epic for their U.S. distribution, but they tried to find somebody else internationally. So the tour was pretty successful after Sacrament, but it was not without incident. One particularly publicized altercation happened after a sold-out show in Glasgow, Scotland. The group was basically all drunk as fuck because they're in Scotland. Understandable, yeah. Mm-hmm. Randy Blythe was doing his darndest to imitate a Scottish accent, and apparently he was being kind of mean. To Chris Adler and Mark Martin. Mark was over his bullshit and he hit Randy in the tour bus. There was a scuffle. The two were separated. Later, they encountered each other on the sidewalk behind the bus and tried to drunkenly fight. But as you can imagine, it doesn't really sound like anyone was getting any hits in. Morton managed to slam Blythe down onto the sidewalk and kind of knocked him out for a bit. And after a couple of days and a couple of drinks, the two kissed him made up. Aww. <laughs> There is a video out there of the fight for anyone who's interested. Um, I've never seen or been in a drunken fight before, but I have had to prevent a certain Tasmanian devil from getting into one once. And let me tell Alex. you, Mm-mm. no, <laughs> Kevin, good, good friend of mine. Um, we won't mention his name, Kevin. <laughs> um, but I will tell you, negotiating uh, negotiating with drunk people is not easy. No. So Kevin has made an appearance on the podcast before because he helped Jake out with all of the. Uh, gun Kurt information Cobain. on yeah. a Kurt Cobain episode. So that guy. You, your stories are so fucking funny. Like anytime Kevin's in town, we'll go out and get drinks at this one particular place where he had this whole encounter where he was about to lose his shit. Yeah. Didn't he start like punching a brick wall? Uh, yeah, he he did punch a building a few times and it was made out of brick. And so the building won. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll just that leave it at that. a long ass time ago. Yeah. I had to be like, 10 or 15, probably probably closer years to, ago. Eh, probably closer to 15. Ugh, I think you're right. <laughs> All right. You want older. Do you need a cry break? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, everybody just takes some time to cry. <laughs> uh, this room is going to be full of crying and tears once it's turned into a baby nursery. Mm. Sorry. It's fine. <laughs> I just learned that you're not supposed to like leave the baby and it's like crib by itself like for more than three days i don't think you are no <laughs> like for the first like three months they're supposed to sleep next to you in your own room Ooh. in like a bassinet type thing oh. well because of like sids and stuff have fun with that so now in 2008 lamb of god has a new dvd out including a documentary and a bunch of performances from their sacrament world tour called walk with me in hell the group supported metallica on tour and began to live stream the recording of their new album a little off topic, but talk it, little <laughs> off topic here, but semi related. I got to see Kiss live on the internet back in the late 90s, I hmm. think, very late 90s, maybe very early 2000s. 
they streamed a free live concert and I'm pretty sure it must have been on the it must have been the Psycho Circus tour. Anyways, we had just gotten cable internet. So we had tons of bandwidth and I remember staying up to watch it on like a two inch window on probably a fifteen inch CRT monitor on our computer in the living room. It was the coolest thing. What do you mean a two inch window? So picture your monitor, right? Oh there is a two inch window on the computer monitor. Oh that I could watch this show in. Right. And that's all that it was. It, like, it wouldn't expand out anymore. It's just this tiny little window on an old 15-inch wow, CRT monitor. Crazy. But yeah, it was cool. And the only reason I was able to do it because we, we had just gotten cable internet. If we had dial-up, it wouldn't have worked. Hmm. It was nuts. It was like the first... It, it, it is the first live stream thing I've ever seen. I was going to say, that had to be like one of the first that was online rather than like over TV or whatever. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it was cool. So on February 23rd of 2009, Wrath was released internationally with Roadrunner and in the U.S. with Epic. They dedicated the album to Mikey Brosnan, who helped the group in their early days and had been killed by a drunk driver in late 2008. Chris Adler said of this album, Without Mikey, we would very well might not be a band today. This album is going to surprise a lot of people. Typically, bands that get to where we are in our career begin to slack off, smell the roses, and regurgitate. Cassie's been doing a lot of regurgitating. Uh, no, no one wants to hear another band member hyping a new record. Wrath needs no hype. We have topped ourselves, and on February 24th, you will feel it. The cockiness was not unwarranted. The album debuted at number two on the Billboard album charts, and the group went out on a world tour. This time, they got to open for Metallica's World Magnetic Tour, as well as headlining their own shows across the world. So this is the album where I was introduced to Lamb of God probably seven or so years ago. Um, I was on a YouTube music rabbit hole and found uh, Nicolina Meliza's channel. It was something different back then. But anyway, she covered Lamb of God's song Grace on Hurdy Gurdy. Um, nice. it's, it's really cool. Just search Lamb of God, Grace, Hurdy Gurdy cover. Listen to it. It's <laughs> awesome. She also introduced me to, uh, Elevati, I think they're pronounced. Mm -hmm. They're a folk metal band and, uh, they feature a Hurdy Gurdy player, but she covered one of their songs and that's how I learned about them too. What mm -hmm. the fuck is a Hurdy Gurdy? It's I feel like a, we talked it's about an this instrument. Recently. No, we did not. Did I've never not? heard this word in my life. Hurdy Gurdy is a... It sounds like something that you would do to make fun of somebody who is a redneck. No, it's... Hurdy Gurdy, it's it's a drone instrument similar to the way bagpipes sound, but it's strings and it's got a wheel on it that uh -huh. that kind of acts like the bow. The wheel acts like a bow on like a like a violin. So they turn it and it makes a droning sound, and then it's got keys on it, and you play the strings like a piano. Keytar. It's like a sure. keytar violin. It looks complicated. Yeah, it's it sounds cool though. It, like you can, it's like a one band instrument type of deal. Like it can just it can do the entire song. It's great. I love them. <laughs> I understand now. Thank you for that. Um, so Lamb of God started their tour in November 2008 with a headlining date in their hometown of Richmond. The next month is when they hopped on the Metallica North American tour as the main support, like Alex just mentioned. However, the group was banned from playing at the Forum in Inglewood, California, where Metallica was booked for two dates. Why, you ask? Because the owners of the Forum refused to let the group play after they learned the band formerly went by Burn the Priest. <laughs> what? A bunch of fucking hypocrites. Yeah, whatever happened to forgive and forget, man? I mean, thou shalt not hold it thy grudge. Right, but... I, that's they, a commandment. Looking at it, they went from Burn the Priest to Lamb of God, so right. wouldn't you look at that as them repenting, and then they shalt be saved? Yeah. Yes. I mean, had, had they not heard early Metallica? Probably not. You know what it is. Oh, Metallica. They'll bring in lots of money. Mm -hmm. But these other guys, no, we're not going to let them play on principle. And I must have been 
few beers in when I when I wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> the next sentence of Jake's reads. Um, yeah, so let me see if I can read through this. Uh, get the fuck out of here and go fuck yourselves, you fucking shit dick pieces of asshole crumb snorting shit lickers. <laughs> Mozart, is that you? <laughs> and it was not the first time this happened to the boys, and most of the time they would just book a different venue in the city so the fans could still come out for the show. I'm sorry, I'm still caught on the fact that Jake wrote that sentence into our research document yeah i i vaguely recall being a little he's, he's a gentleman and a scholar <laughs> <laughs> so they're getting pretty busy writing new music and opening for metallica in australia and in the united states lamb of god was also nominated for a couple of metal performance grammys in 2010 and 2011 so that's all going well but at one of the world tour dates something awful happened it was may 24th 2010 and the group was playing at a club in Prague, Czech. So it's named Abaton. That's the name of the club. There were around 250 people in attendance, and it was the first time that the group had played in the Czech Republic. In typical metal show fashion, Randy Blythe is on stage yelling, come on, between songs, and fans are jumping onto and off of the stage. Normal stuff, really. Uh, the group doesn't even remember this show in particular, or they, you know, didn't at first. It was nothing special. It was just like every other fucking show. And there were various conflicting accounts of what actually happened that night. But the facts are, a uh, 19-year-old fan, Daniel Nosik, he suffered some brain trauma. He slipped into a coma, and then he died weeks after the show. It was first alleged that the fan jumped onto the stage, and he was pushed brutally backwards by Randy Blythe, hitting his head on the way down. Other newspapers said that Blythe, quote, on a few occasions struck some fans in a relatively brutal way off the stage. So, like, is this a way of saying that he pushed them back into the audience? The language that yes. was used in these articles seems a bit sensationalized to me. Yeah, you could also not rush the stage. That's, like, way cooler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't see anybody just being that mean and brutal unless there was some kind of real threat. Right. You know. Yeah. So the the language that they're using on obviously this stuff would have been translated, but even the translation seems like a little bit harsh. It doesn't sound like they're just straight reporting on the facts. They are they are sensationalizing. That's how it com came off to me. So this is another quote from metropolis.net. It says, "Randy in a totally uncompromising way took down an impertinent fan who had climbed on the podium several times. The frontman clearly showed that it is his territory, he struck the intruder down, punched him a couple of times, and sent him through the air off the podium without even stopping singing. And then they put a little exclamation point in parentheses. Yeah, I, I read the article that you got this quote from. It was written like two days after the show, and it just sounds like a review of the experience. There wasn't any mention of Daniel. the kid, Daniel. Yeah, there wasn't any mention of Daniel getting hurt or anything like that. Um, but I'm assuming this person's account is correct, and the guy climbing on stage was Nosek. It sounds like Nosek was probably more than a little drunk, possibly, and being a little rowdy. Yeah, and well, there are multiple people who jumped on the stage, and it'll it'll kind of come out later. So it sounds like the media immediately after the show was kind of trying to villainize Randy, or at least make him sound like he was being super aggressive. Whereas the show's own promoter, who was there, says that basically the whole thing was an accident. Tom Tomas Fiala commented that the incident happened during the show the fan climbed on stage he was not allowed to be there and he was pushed back into the crowd 
Lamb of God's own PR agency alleged that Nosek had jumped the barricade and climbed on stage three times. Later during trial, it was said that it was a different person who made the first two attempts on stage. Nobody from the band particularly remembered the incident because it's not terribly uncommon for people to climb up on stage. But Lamb of God guitarist Willie Adler said, I can't recall that particular show, let alone a fan being beaten on the stage. I think I would have noticed something like that considering the dime thing in reference to Dimebag Daryl's murder after a fan charged on stage with a gun. Right. Yeah. So far, it just seems like it was a typical show, like you said. You know, sometimes fans get a little too drunk and rowdy and they just make it past security Mm -hmm. and um talking about the speaking of the dimebag daryl incident we covered that in season one if you want to go back and listen to that so before we even get to the trial keep in mind that nobody in lamb of god even has a clue that this happened nor do they know the details about any impending charges so they're just going on about their business while in the meantime a case has been launched about a month after the show Czech police started interviewing eyewitnesses and also contacted the U.S. Department of Justice to cooperate. The DOJ refused to cooperate in the investigation and also neglected to notify the band that anything was even unfolding. Why did the DOJ refuse to cooperate? What about extradition, you ask? We'll get there. Yes, we will. I had so many questions at this point. (laughs) So on Halloween of 2011... Like I said, Lamb of God's just going about their business. They announced a new album, Resolution, that would come out in January of 2012. This one debuted at number three on the Billboard Albums chart and hit number one on the rock charts. It had largely positive reviews, and the band went out again playing the huge Soundwave Festival in Australia and the Download Main Stage in England that June. As they made their way back through Europe, they had no idea what was about to unfold in Prague. On June 27th, Randy Blythe arrived at the Ruzine Airport in Prague for their show. He was arrested at the airport and notified that it was for suspected manslaughter of 19-year-old Daniel Nosek. Blythe had no idea what they were talking about. He didn't know who the kid was, but he said that he was sorry he died. Yeah. In an interview recorded by The Vault, Blythe says, I was getting off the plane with my guys and I saw this woman checking passports. She takes her passports and I notice she's directing me to the right and to the left all the people we don't know. John is already in there. There's five dudes, big motherfuckers. This is a direct quote. (laughs) In face masks with machine guns, big knives, and all sorts of shit. They look like they were there to get Bin Laden. And there were three huge Eastern Bloc muscle dudes and a woman who turned out to be head detective. I'm like, fuck, there must be someone awful on that plane. (laughs) I I look at my bass player and start singing Cool in the Gang. There's a party going on right here. And he's like, no, dude, there's no party. This is something bad. Blythe said he was handed back some paperwork and told to collect any prescription medication he might need for the coming days, but he still didn't know what was going on. He said, all I could tell was that a kid had died and I was being blamed for it, he says. Uh, talk about getting blindsided. Right. Yeah, I mean, even if even if the U.S. government had, like, given them a heads up, they probably would have routed the tour around check, yeah. but I don't know. I mean, I just can't imagine. This is my biggest fear come to life. Every time I go through airport security, I'm like, they're going to get me. And I'm like, I didn't fucking do anything. <laughs> there was a, a recent thing where this woman was traveling through like Texas and got arrested because someone with her exact name and like very similar description had ha- like a search warrant out for her arrest in the state of Texas. Mm. And they had proved that the one that they arrested was like, had never been to Texas before in her life. And it was yeah. like, well, she's never coming back now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. So um, Blythe said he was astonished at the behavior of the Czech police 
He said, they must not have cop shows in the Czech Republic. They kept asking real casual, how's it going? Do you remember anything? And I'm like, I don't really know what's going on. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say anything until I see my lawyer. They were like, we think it would be very good for you to take the court appointed lawyer. And I'm like, haven't you guys ever watched Law and Order? I'm not saying shit. I'm not talking to your lawyer. It's a good, good call, honestly. That's yeah. very American of him. Right. <laughs> He's like, I know my rights. Yeah, but you, you have to remember when you're arrested in a foreign country, that you do not always have the same rights you do mm-hmm. in America. And oh. for those listeners outside of the U.S., yes, it is true. You have the right to remain silent. You don't have to tell the police anything, and they can't make you say anything. Yeah, you you have the so, right to not incriminate yourself. Right. Sure. So, As yeah. Blythe underwent psychological testing while being held in a hole with a tiny window, um, Randy could only hope the rest of Lamb of God had gone. I just wanted my band to get the fuck out of the country, he says. I was like, I hope they get on the first plane and leave. The less people talk to the cops, the better. They interrogated my band the next day and they were like, it was two years ago. We don't remember anything. He said, I didn't, I didn't remember anything other than it was a really terrible show. There were a lot of kids on the stage. Blythe was very unhappy with that. The U S authorities had been aware of the investigation for two years without passing any information along. He reflects the Czech police department told the justice department, we're having an investigation. And they were like, that's bullshit. There's no evidence. You're not taking our citizen. That's cool. Let me know. I'm wanted for manslaughter in a foreign country. We had no idea any of this shit had happened. Well, yeah. kudos for sticking up for your people. But damn, did you guys drop the ball hard on that one? Yeah, I know basically. they could have let them know, but <laughs> it is cool that they were like, nope, I don't fucking think so. I mean, I never thought the man would stick up for us like that. <laughs> I didn't. I, for sure, they'd be like, yeah, fuck him. He doesn't matter. Get rid of him. Uh, so Blythe was formally charged on June 29th of 2012 for intentionally inflicting bodily harm resulting in death. The sentence could be anywhere from five to ten years if convicted. So the courts considered Randy a flight risk and held him on remand. They uh, He had the possibility of bail in the amount of $200,000 approximately when it's... Uh, you know, when you look at the exchange US. rate. Yeah. So that was apparently his annual income. They held him at Pancrack Prison. By July 3rd, his bail was posted and the prisons were supposed to either accept or challenge it within three days. Now, despite this, Randy continued to be held for six more days until the state attorney challenged the bail. So, like, they took way too long to challenge it. But apparently it was due to holidays in the country. Yeah, Blythe was held for six weeks total in prison. So there are two holidays back to back here. St. Cyril and Methodius Day on July 5th. Uh, they were credited with spreading Christianity throughout the region, among, uh, amongst other things. Um, and Jan Hus Day on July 6th. Um, he was uh, considered the predecessor to the Protestant movement, was excommunicated by the Catholic Church, and eventually found guilty of heresy and burned at the stake. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm assuming... Uh, these might be like big middle of the year holidays. So it would make sense if the offices and whatnot were closed in observation, causing the process to take longer. Yeah. A fan created petition on the white house, like the official white house site had gathered around 30,000 signatures on July 7th. A friend of Blythe's held a vigil in Richmond, Virginia. David Brocky of Glar spoke saying, I don't think it was right for him to be arrested. I don't think it was right for him to be locked up. This stuff could have all been worked out diplomatically or legally before he got there. Or the Department of Justice could have said, hey, don't go to the Czech Republic. You'll get arrested. Then on July 17th, a three-judge panel overturned the bail decision and doubled the amount that he would have to pay. The state attorney argued that Randy's bail conditions should require that he stay in check and report regularly to a police station until the case was decided. 
It took several more weeks until the court rejected this complaint and ordered Blythe's immediate release. He left the country finally on August 3rd and told TV Nova that he would of course come back to clear his name if he was called to court because he's an international touring artist. Like he's not just going to dip out. Right. Blythe was always determined to return to stand trial, partly because he'd lost a daughter at a young age and because of his past. Blythe said, it's no big secret. He used to party a lot. Drink just doesn't work for me. But for so many years, I was running from my problems. I didn't like the way life was. So I was doing this. He went on to say, when this happened, I was like, I've got a problem and I need to face this problem. If I didn't, I if I can convince myself I don't have to be responsible enough to face this, then I can very easily convince myself that I can handle just one drink. He recalls now that when his daughter died because she was too young to undergo life-saving surgery, he at least knew why he'd lost her, while no six parents were left bewildered over his death. He said, it didn't make me feel any better, but I had a hard, cold answer. Blythe says, these people didn't know, and I had an ethical obligation as a compassionate human being to give them answers the best I could. If I hadn't, I would have wound up wasted and probably dead. On November 30th of 2012, Randy was indicted on the previous charges, and the trial was set to begin in February of 2013. The state attorney fighting the case, Vladimir Music, had previously secured several notable murder convictions, sending people away from anywhere to from 11 years to life in prison. Randy got himself some pretty notable lawyers as well, Martin Radvan and Vladimir Jablonski. Jablonski had represented and won one of the longest criminal cases in Czech's history, that of Yedka Uzanoglu, was charged with conspiracy to commit three murders, blackmail, and torture. The crimes did happen, but Jablonski established that there was no evidence to connect Uzulongu, I can't fucking say this name, um, to the crimes. Like, it happened, this person didn't do it. Right. The trial was set to take place over four days, starting on February 4th. Blythe testified that the club was terrible, it was messy, the stage was too small, there were too many people crammed in. His technician said before the show that it was a bit dangerous. The lights and smoke left Blythe unable to see very well, as he's already nearsighted and doesn't wear his glasses on stage. Yeah, they'll break from all the moshing. Yeah, they'll just fly off of his fucking face. And he would also look like a nerd. (laughs) I almost lost my glasses in a pit once. Slipknot? Was it that Slipknot show? No, it wasn't Slipknot. Uh, It was, uh, who was it? Testament and somebody else. Oh, I remember that story. It was Testament. I can't remember who. At Shaka's, back when that was still a thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was up in the front. I was braced on the barrier at the front of the stage, and the pit was directly behind me. And, of course, so I'm just kind of, like, acting like the wall, the pit there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody came by, and I got popped in the head, and my glasses flew off and hit the floor. My glasses. Luckily, that's exactly what I said. Luckily, the people next to us saw it, and they actually found them and picked them up before they got crushed. So yeah, that was good. Okay, so remember how some reports and said initially that Nosek had rushed the stage twice before his fatal fall? Yeah. Um, newspapers identified who that actually was. It was Milan Poradek. So the first time this dude ran up on stage, Randy says he started waving his arms and then he jumped off. The second time, he approached Randy and tried to wrap his arms around him. No thanks, dude. Randy obviously sensed danger. He grabbed the dude by his collar, pushed him to the ground, and was telling him to stop. He grabbed poor Deck by the hair then and led him to the edge of the stage where the dude jumped off. So the third time that poor Deck attempted to jump on stage, security finally stopped him. Took him a minute, huh? Yep. So when Nozick (laughs) tried to jump on the stage... 
Blythe thought, again, that it was Poradek coming back up. And Blythe approached him, kind of pissed off this time. He pushed him with both hands back into the crowd, which rather than catching Nosek, they everybody stepped aside and let him hit the ground. A fan in the crowd testified that Nosek laid on the ground for a moment and nobody helped him. And Randy recalled that he, he saw the dude get up. I'm not sure what to make of this. On one hand, you shouldn't be climbing on the stage. On the other, it's a rowdy metal show. Someone gets up on stage. The crowd should expect some surfing, I would right. imagine. Uh, especially at such a small venue like that. So it also seems like a dick move by the crowd just to be like, take a step to the side. And yeah. I mean, there are so many accounts of like these couple of moments that we will get into. I mean, you can't, at the end of the day, you can't really like blame a crowd though. If they did step aside or if they were already kind of open and he fell in the open space, like I'm not trying to get landed on by a fucking dude. Yeah. I'm five foot one. Like, no, thanks. Bye. I'll catch you if you're crowd surfing. I'll do my best. But if you get thrown from stage, like, but we don't, we don't really know yeah. what happened. There was so much going on. All right. So Chris Adler, drummer for Lamb of God, was brought in as a character witness. He testified that Blythe is typically a calm and moderate person. He's well read. He's not used drugs or alcohol. Um, he didn't before that incident. The court was also shown footage from previous Lamb of God concerts to show the energy that the crowd, the energy of the crowd and um, what Blythe may have been doing to hype them up. He's not like asking or encouraging anyone to jump on stage. He's just he's a singer in a band and like you want everybody to be excited. I think I can count on one hand the times I've seen the lead singer of a band just be like, I, I encourage you to try to make it up here. Like. There have been shows like that, but they're usually outside and a little bit more contained. I mean, the only thing I can really think of is Steel Panther. They actually ask people to come on stage, but it's not a free-for-all. They they have a song called 17 Girls in a Row, and it's talking about oh. fucking 17 girls in a row. And then they ask, <laughs> they're like, ladies, come up on stage. And like they bring them to the side, and the security guard lets them come on stage completely different and they don't get to jump off anyways on day two no six friends testified uh they said he was a huge lamb of god fan and he had come to the concert with three of his friends and gotten mark morton's autograph before the show speaking of the incident no six friend jan jabavi that's so fucked up <laughs> you know they don't say it like that but i do uh he said that he had climbed onto the stage and faced the audience when Blythe pushed him with both hands into the crowd. So he was, he would have been like falling face first. He said that he hadn't been to any concerts where the singer was so furious and behaved so aggressively. Jabavi said that Nosek wasn't the first one Blythe had to chase from the stage and testified that another person was kicked, choked, and punched. He did, however, agree that Blythe stopped to ask Nozick if he was okay after the fall before continuing the show. Jabavi said that while his friend initially gave a positive response, from what I read, you know, Blythe was like, hey, are you okay? And he gave him a thumbs up. Um, he ended up falling ill afterwards and they had to call an ambulance. Jabavi said that fans weren't told not to get on stage and security wasn't stopping them, so it must be okay. But come on, dude. Uh, they don't need to hold your hand. Just because it's a metal show doesn't mean it's okay. And it's probably listed in the rules somewhere for the venue. Yeah. Um, you just don't get on the stage, period. And if you do, you assume the consequences. I mean, I like I like crowd surfing. I've done that a whole bunch, but I understand it's dangerous. It doesn't also doesn't give people an excuse to be violent if you surf over them. Yeah. But you have to understand that shit happens. Like, you might get dropped. 
you might get pulled down. Obviously, pushing somebody off of the stage, especially if their back is turned, is a dangerous decision. Like, he should have known not to get up there, especially if he had seen Blythe already kicking people off the stage. Mm -hmm. So, like, why do you think he would treat you differently? Right. I mean, if you see other dudes getting told to get off the stage and being shoved off, like, why would you continue to try just to say, oh, I can make it. They're weak. I'll make it up there. That's silly. Well, three syllables. Booze a hall. That will do it. You get that. <laughs> uh, what is that called? Crunk. <laughs> yes, you get crunk. <laughs> Fuck. I forgot. I was going to start using that word. I, when? Ha I had a conversation with somebody. I don't remember. I said I was going to start using the word crunk more often because it's real fun it is fun anyways yeah you get crunk you think you're invincible hmm. okay so his next friend andre vlack took the stand and testified that something completely different happened than you know what we've heard so far he claimed that the fall happened at the end of the concert before the encore when the band was leaving the stage so like they just finished up playing you know they walk off stage for a couple minutes and then you scream loud enough and then they come back and finish apparently randy blythe had gestured uh and they took whatever that gesture was as an invitation to hop on stage with all of their equipment and shit up there i don't know nosick and another kit both jumped on the stage this is what uh, andre is saying and blythe pushed both of them off he said that the first kid landed in the crowd, but Nosik fell straight to the ground as the crowd had started to dissipate. This was super weird to me because it's the stragglers in the back that start to leave before the encore so that they can get to their cars and beat traffic. Yeah. Nobody who's pushed their way all the way up to the front of the show is going to leave and lose their spot, especially if there's an encore that is going to happen. But whatever. Um, I could see more so that the crowd went to catch the first guy and that left a little clearing for the second when he fell down. Or maybe they're fucking tired of getting people thrown onto them. So they just straight up moved out of the way yeah, like in Mean Girls. that's initially what I thought of when you said that. Never seen it. Jake, you're missing out on such great cinema. Um, <laughs> sure movie I am. Night. There's a part in Mean Girls where they're doing trust falls. And um, this one girl, what does she say? What does Gretchen say? She's like, I I'm just, sorry that I'm so pretty and everybody hates me. And she like goes to do the trust fall and everybody steps out of the way. Yeah. They let her fucking <laughs> fall on the ground. <laughs> you just hear her go, ah. <laughs> uh, okay. So Vlack said that after he fell, uh, Nosek went to sit on a bench and drink some water to kind of collect himself like he had the wind knocked out of him. Oh, I bet. Uh, half an hour after the show, he started vomiting and then he had a huge knot on the back of his head. So they figured he had a concussion and called an ambulance. Yeah. Whacking your head is no joke. Uh, anytime I see videos of people wiping out and they smack the back of their head mm. on the ground, I always flinch. I can't watch any of that shit. It physically it's pains terrible. me. Do yeah. you remember that MTV show Scarred? Uh, yes. Yes. And then they released a book with all these pictures of like broken bones and shit. It was gross. I get, um, I don't, uh, I feel like you probably get the same thing, but I can't watch any of those like skateboarding videos or whatever, because if I see someone injure themselves, I feel it Yeah, in I'm my like, limb, Ugh. you know, like, it's, like a shooting a, pain goes through that limb. It's there's fucking weird. There's a term weird. for that. It's, it's sympathetic something or other. I can't remember. Yeah. There, there's terms for that. Sympathetic. Yeah. We had sympathetic a, nervous system or we had a dog like that. that ran into we had a trampoline in the backyard and on the inside of underneath the trampoline is where all the like screws went so that it would be held together and so you had all of these like open-ended screws and my dog ran too close to one and it like punctured her Ooh. and like uh. it was in the side and so i was like because uh, like i was like that hurts me to think about but it also smelled really bad and like 
dogs release like a scent mm. when they're in danger and she just smelled oh. like fish. It was really gross. Gross. So sympathy pain is a term that refers to feeling physical or psychological symptoms from yeah. witnessing someone else's discomfort. Oh, such feelings are most talked about during pregnancy. When a person might feel like they're sharing the same pains as their pregnant partner, you better tell Dan to nut up he or better shut up. Feel I swear to God. Pain. Do you want to feel your intestines scrunch together? Because it's not great. <laughs> not great. Cassie's the only one of us, you know, with we're child free over here. Yeah, so. imagine, you know, your stomach exists. But then something else exists within your stomach, so the rest of your stomach is making. Room I deal with that every it. day. Oh, your poop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so anyways, security guard. A security guard named Robert Havelka also testified, saying that the guardrail was way too close to the stage, but not. It was still not close enough that people could climb the guardrail stand on it and jump to the stage he said that he did pull one person off of the stage but then the next person fell he said it was possible that the next person was pushed but he didn't actually see it happen so obviously all of the differences in stories that happened two years ago allowed Blythe's defense team to poke some holes indeed everybody's stories are really all over the place Mm -hmm. they're all completely different so on day three of the trial, we circle back to Milan Poradek, the fan that Blythe admitted to pushing off of the stage. So this is a guy who went up several times. Poradek testified that he did climb up on the stage twice, and during his third attempt, he changed his mind. Probably because the second time, Blythe held him down, though he did not choke him, as was previous, previously reported. Poradek admitted to being drunk and disorderly and thought that Blythe's reaction was appropriate. I don't know about you, but this is kind of what I was suspecting. Yeah. So he understood that Blythe did not want him on the stage, so he thought better of jumping up the third time. Yeah, that's common sense. Well, yeah, it's a booze. Booze. So they also called an, uh, another witness who testified, saying what we've already said, that metal shows typically display tough behavior, mosh pits, stage diving, etc. This show was no exception, nor was it disproportionately violent or riotous. She also said that Blythe clearly did not want fans jumping on the stage. She did not give any testimony to No Sex Fall. Um, she was basically just there to say that the behavior that night was pretty standard for a metal show. The club's producer had written a sworn statement that was read on day three, saying that she didn't know about the incident in particular, only that an ambulance had been called. She wrote that Lamb of God did send in a list of secure or safety demands on their rider in advance. Among those was that the barricades be placed about five feet from the stage. This was not the case that night, but the band didn't say anything about it before or after the concert. Now, I think this is probably because I'm thinking the event was oversold. Um, they mentioned already that the club was too small and cramped mm -hmm. at the beginning of the show. If you recall, we said one of Lamb of God's text told randy before the show it was a mess and too many people in there would be kind of dangerous so it makes sense that they give the fans a little bit more space on the floor by allowing the barricades to be closer to the stage so they once more called randy blythe to the stand they went over his testimony and ran through the witness testimonies and again asked him if he insisted that it was milan poradek the first guy that he threw off the stage he said, to the best of my knowledge, it was Milan Poradek who was coming up on stage every time. And that's got to be really tough to remember. You know, you've got two years of shows under your belt since this incident occurred, and you're supposed to remember what everybody looked like 
that you had to throw off the stage. Yeah, That's and like doing shows near impossible. on a whole tour too. Right. Like they all run together. I'm really? sure. That on top of like stage lights blinding you. He wasn't wearing his glasses like they said. He was mm-hmm. nearsighted. He couldn't tell. And not to mention the crowd was probably full of metalheads who, metalheads who all dress pretty similar to go to a show. I mean, it would definitely Black be Black t-shirt, long right. hair, drunk. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they had an expert medical witness testify as well. Mikhail Pagosi, who labeled the cause of death as pneumonia. Hmm. Yeah. So he said, Cassie, <laughs> that was Cassie's jaw again. Um, he said that this was the result of a blow to the brain stem and that it has a 40% mortality rate. They first diagnosed him right after the event, after he was brought to a nearby hospital. He was transferred to a hospital with a neurology department where he underwent two surgeries. His first tended to the injury and the second one involved bone removal to reduce the pressure on his brain. I I couldn't find anything on his cause of death. I assume it was probably blunt force trauma or something. So like maybe the trauma plus the pneumonia? He didn't have pneumonia before. They said it was brought on by the... Blow to the brainstem. Okay. I guess so that, that caused... pneumonia is when your lungs fill with liquid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but that's what killed him, not the blow to the brainstem. Technically, the blow to the brainstem led caused to pneumonia, the pneumonia, and the that... pneumonia is what he ultimately died right. from. Okay. That's that's the way that I read it. Okay. I am not a fucking doctor. Really? Clearly. <laughs> My handwriting is way too neat. <laughs> uh, so at the end of day three, a key witness became sick. So the hearings continued to the next day, but then they were adjourned until March 4th. So February 7th, it's day four. Lucas Halvina was brought to the stand. He was in attendance at the concert that night, and he contacted Blythe's defense team after reading the witness testimonies in the papers. Halvina didn't like the description of the situation, he said, stating that Blythe wasn't acting any more aggressive that night than he would at any other show. He said uh, that time after time during the show, fans got on stage and Blythe made it very clear that they should not be up there. Yeah, Blythe wrote that one of the biggest hurdles he and his legal team faced was attempting to explain the atmosphere of a heavy metal show, trying to get across to three Czech judges how smashing into other people and flying through the air over a crowd in the hopes of being caught was a normal thing. From the perspective of folks who are not a part of our scene, these seem like actions of insane people. I mean, I I can't imagine (laughs) how hard that would be. (laughs) i've tried to explain it to people before and they just don't like why would you do that why would you put yourself in danger because it's fun live on the edge (laughs) yeah michelle (laughs) anyway okay lucas had seen a fan who i think maybe he's referring to milan poradek tried three times to get on stage and that he was pushed or pulled off the stage but he did not see anybody fall directly into the crowd Unfortunately, as the incident had taken place two years earlier, Helvena's memories from that night were foggy, and he'd also been to several more shows at the same venue since then, so he couldn't really testify as to where the guardrail was placed for that particular show. Yeah. So, they took about a month recess and resumed on March 4th, bringing in expert witnesses testifying about criminal psychology and psychiatry. Blythe did, in fact, return to finish the trial, despite the fact that the judge said they could finish with him absent. Both of the expert witnesses testified that Randy Blythe was not an aggressive person, but he could have some problems controlling his emotions under stress, like literally everybody does. I've been known to throw stuff across the shop and yell when I get pissed off. I almost punched the screen out of a fucking Tesla. (gasps) I just told a story about when you punched a hole in the wall way back in the day and we covered it up with a big sticker. (laughs) 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 The best way possible. 
I one time I had a lawnmower that wasn't working and it really pissed me off because it was pretty dang new. Mm -hmm. And I took the broom handle and whacked it until it started working again. (laughs) Well, there you go. That's all you need. A bodyguard testified who had not seen the fall, but he had seen two guys taking a third guy outside after the show. um, And the third guy had fallen off the stage. He said he saw the ambulance come in the next 10 minutes. Yeah, I've already seen. So earlier it said that the the guy sat there for half an hour before the ambulance came. Like there's so much inconsistency. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Yeah. I mean, basically what we're getting is he was on stage. Then he was off stage. He hit his head. He was fine at first, then, then he wasn't, wasn't. Yeah. and then he went to the hospital. Um, those are the only consistent facts. Right. So another witness was called Alina Rostovalova, who she actually saw the fall. So she saw Nosik climb up on stage, try to stand up, and then he was pushed down by Blythe. Nosik, she said, fell backwards, landing in an empty space behind the first row of fans. How in the fuck? Okay. So day six, experts start poking holes in these events. They say that Nosik couldn't have landed on his back if, like the first kid said, he was facing the crowd. But the injury he sustained was on the back of his head. They also said that even if the guardrail was closer to the stage, there's still no way that he could be pushed off the stage through the air behind the first row of fans um, unless he was also jumping. Uh, Because that's quite the distance. I guess the judge excused some of this. So they ditched the idea that he was facing the crowd. They just are like, okay, he was, he fell backwards. Uh, The state attorney closed by asking for a five-year prison sentence for Blythe, snidely saying, even children in kindergarten are aware that a fall from height may lead to an injury. Yeah, okay. Couldn't come up with anything anything better than that, huh? Mm -hmm. Uh, I wonder if anyone bothered to look at the stage height during this whole thing. I'd imagine... He wouldn't be throwing people off a stage that's at standing height, like at like right. eye level. I think but it maybe was if more, it was like waist height, yeah, I think I, it was I'm more gonna like toss you off the stage. Riff house height, like a couple, like two or three feet tops. I saw a picture from it, and it did not look like it was that high. Yeah, it, it looked like like people's eye levels were probably like right at, at the band's waist, so that that's not very high up at yeah. all. Uh, So Daniel's family had a representative in court that day. The family did not hold Randy solely responsible for the death of their son. They dropped some of the, they dropped the monetary claim. They had initially, you know, requested so much money, uh, but they said no amount of money could replace their child. Daniel died on his dad's birthday and put his mom in such distress that she was unable to work and placed in psychiatric care. That's rough. And you don't hear about people being so forgiving like that often. Um, Um, Blythe's final statement included that he wasn't trying to evade responsibility. But if he felt that he were guilty of manslaughter, then he would have pled guilty. He promised that if he were acquitted, Lamb of God would take further safety measures in the future to ensure nothing like this ever happened again. On March 5th, the court decided that while Blythe was not criminally responsible. He was morally responsible for Daniel Nosek's death. That's like your mom saying that she's not mad. She's disappointed. That's worse. That's basically what, yeah, yeah, that's basically (laughs) what they said. The damages claim was dismissed and Blythe's bail was returned. They decided that Blythe had pushed Nosek off stage, but his aggression may be partially to blame on his nearsightedness and for mistaking Nosek for the previous fan. They placed the largest blame on the promoters and the event security because it shouldn't have been Blythe throwing fans from the stage anyways. Right. 
Yeah, it sounds reasonable. It's the most likely scenario of what happened. Blythe obviously had no intentions of hurting or even killing anyone. Right. And I agree that the venue is to blame mm-hmm. right, for not providing the security or the proper spacing and oh, probably overselling, all that crap. Yeah. So, of course, the state attorney appealed, and that hearing was held in June of 2013 in front of three judges where Blythe's acquittal was upheld. The case did not move on to the Supreme Court. After the trial, Blythe met with the Nosek family and promised to be a spokesperson for safer shows. He said in his blog that he was never attacked by the family. They just genuinely wanted to know what happened to their son. It's very tragic, but I'm glad Blythe seems to be a pretty stand-up guy. And it's amazing to see the family be so forgiving, like I said a second ago. Mm -hmm. Blythe also got some balls to go stand trial in a foreign country for manslaughter. I don't know that a lot of people would have done that. The whole ordeal nearly bankrupt the band with Randy's legal expenses, racking up about half a million in debt. Damn. Uh, he filed a lawsuit for about 650000 in damages, but the claims were rejected by the Justice Ministry. And I bet they were like, no, nah, you don't live here. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Um, couldn't find anything on if he appealed the decision or not. And that, that was back in 2015, I do believe. Um, but the band pretty much was ready to get back out on the road afterwards, though. And it seems like they've recovered financially. Mm. In June of 2020, Randy Blythe participated in an Ask Me Anything thread on Reddit where he was asked about playing in Czech again. He said, I would love to play in the Czech Republic again. I have nothing against the Czech people, and I was not mistreated there. Eventually, I think we might play there again, but it will 100% have to be with the cooperation of the family of the young man who died. And I would want to give the money from the show to a charity that they choose. If we played there... It would be a huge news story, and I do not wish to cause the young man's family any more pain. They did no wrong and were not cruel to me at all. In fact, they showed me great kindness. But they have suffered enough, so it is out of respect to them that we have not returned. I hope the Czech fans understand. Blythe has also said, The small inconveniences I have been through since my arrest are not noteworthy. A young man is still dead, and his family still suffers. Again, stand-up guy. I really appreciate his attitude and approach to this whole situation. Yeah. yeah. And while it was pretty difficult finding more information on the victim, Daniel, Randy did share these words with his fans. He said, I cannot tell you what it's like to look into the eyes of a mother whose son is dead as a result of attending a concert by your group, his favorite band. I cannot tell you what it's like to hold her tiny hands as she weeps for her dead boy. To hold those hands in your large hands, the same hands accused of killing her son. I cannot tell you... In any words, what it's like to feel that grief for her lost only child pouring off of her small frame in a massive dark wave of sorrow to see that pain again on another so visceral that your body shakes with the awful power and totality of it. These are things that mere words will never be able to convey. Yeah, that's depressing. Yeah, you can also tell he's a songwriter. This one kind of is bringing me back um, Pearl Jam vibes from that. Yeah. What, Jake? I just shut my hand in the corner of the laptop. Are you okay? I'm fine. You know, some it's people a have startling. Some people have real problems. Yeah, that's why I was trying to stay quiet until you said something. <laughs> so, what, Jake? <laughs> what? Um, yeah, it, it's giving me the same kind of vibes from the the Pearl Jam Ross killed episode that we did. That one was really fucking sad, but it's just like a tragic accident at a concert and. It's hard to pin the blame on any one thing. There were so many factors playing into it. But, you know, I hope that the the family can find peace. It's got to be really sad, you know, when you send off somebody 
that you love to a show and then you never get to see them again and they didn't know what happened they weren't there i bet you his mom doesn't listen to fucking metal so no explaining that whole situation to them and what circumstances made his death possible is like really sad right and i don't i don't know if he slipped into a coma immediately or if he ever got to like talk to his family again because it said he went to the he went to the hospital like right after the event and then had surgery immediately so hopefully i mean they were at least able to speak with him or see him or something i mean i know he was in the coma for like a month or two um so yeah it's just a really fucking shitty situation and uh, another thing contributing to why I don't want to be in the pit anymore. <laughs> that used to be my fucking jam. No. I don't want to be in the pit anymore because the last time I was near a pit, it was at Slipknot, and mm. I couldn't watch the show because it's just nothing but a bunch of sweaty dudes running around. And I, again, <laughs> was the wall of the pit mm-hmm. and had to keep pushing them back in, and it was just gross. I don't like touching people. I stand in the back. <laughs> um, one time I was in the pit, and I got kicked in the face and got a nosebleed, so I'm good. I got um I got kicked in the face by a crowd surfer at Anthrax and uh, I thought I broke my nose and yeah. it was the first show <laughs> it was at a festival and that was the first show I was like Anthrax is on and I run up to the stage and then I got kicked in the face <laughs> and I, I like stumbled out of the crowd and I found Boot my friends <laughs> my nose is bleeding my blip was busted and I was oh, like wow. Oh, first fucking I'm going home two minutes <laughs> two minutes in and I'm I'm losing it so yeah. Uh, yeah, you gotta be careful. Yeah, gotta that's careful. true. Um, Slipknot is playing in Greensboro on April 1st. I think I'm going to go to that show. It's a Friday. Have fun. Okay. Enjoy. I will. <laughs> hey, maybe Corey Taylor will hear me and or see me and recognize me. You have to wear your <laughs> beard. Uh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta get my man face on. I'll do it. Well, um, thank you guys for listening. Um, we are coming to an end on season four here soon so make sure you join our facebook group it is death by music podcast fans let us know what kind of stuff you want to hear for season five we will i mean obviously we're going to take a little break uh before we start doing that but um summer's going to be really fucking busy i mean at least for me probably for you guys too because like y'all heard cassie's getting ready for a baby yeah um and Jake, I mean, Jake doesn't ever have anything going on, but <laughs> without us, he's nothing. Well, so. August is going to be a pretty busy month. Oh, that's Same true. as it was last year. It's August and September. A lot of stuff August. going on in August. Stripping to Deftone so we can afford the Weird Al arcade. Yes, <laughs> I have a lot of that to do. <laughs> Got to OnlyFans. You can probably make some money. I, I might. We'll see. Okay, well, search for Jake on OnlyFans and um, also rest in peace. Bye. Later. Music by Demons at Demons Band on Instagram. Artwork by Mike Johnson. Writing and production by Cassie Gardner, Alex Motler, and Jake.